0: Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I'm today delighted to have Evan, Evan Huck, who is the CEO and co-founder of User Evidence. Welcome, Evan. Could you please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm Evan. I'm the founder of a an earliest stage, tw- 25 people B2B company called User Evidence. We're, we're based out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is in the Rocky Mountains near Yellowstone in the, in the middle of the US.
0: Cool. So today we're gonna talk about the importance of customer stories and customer evidence in, in the B2B buyer journey. Um, could you uh, elaborate a little more on the changes that you have seen happening in the recent, or recently seen happening in the buyer journey uh, within B two B.
1: Yeah, so I, you know I've been in enterprise software sales B two B for almost thirteen years now, um, and, and it's changed a lot. And I think you know that change is really driven by a you know generational shift, but then B technology. Um, and you know it used to be that information was, was hard to get from vendors around what their product does and and how they're delivering success for customers and so sales played you know a, a fairly large role in the evaluation process because they were you know a very important source of, of information on the product i think now you know as as the younger generation frankly just kind of doesn't like talking directly to people as much you know you're seeing a shift towards a lot of the buyer's journey is now happening through research online, be that in review sites or um, in just, you know, online content consumption across different channels. Uh, So the role of the salesperson, yeah, I think has really become a smaller one, which makes it tougher for vendors to really control the sales process and, and get their arms around how a buyer is, you know, putting together information to make a decision so it's a big shift that you know has ramifications for how
0: companies do marketing effectively absolutely absolutely so um a couple of changes that that i've seen and i think also was pointed out by Forrester in the research that they did for outreach um I, and i i think i pointed to to that um research earlier in some podcasts as well but um, from what I've seen you're describing a smaller role of sales I think it's it's really changing um and it's and it's it, I might even say it's it's a more important role in the end um but the uh, basically awareness phase uh, let's say first stages of the buyer journey are completely let's say leaning towards self-service for the younger generations and with younger uh, I'm well, I would say it's even people under 50. Um, mm-hmm. Over half of the buying committee of a typical B two B purchase. So it's it's very important to make sure that you have that whole let's say awareness phase in which people are uh, well exploring what, what, uh, their their um, well their options their, their the the things they're going to purchase. They well you need to offer all kinds of. Um, content that helps them to make a choice and in, in a later stage they they are willing to talk to a sales professional but that's not going to be an sdr uh which yeah. is typically the, the 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 case in in software still right
1: yeah and i think it's really driven by you know how we purchase as consumers you know if you grew up with the internet a you know, good example so we have a baby due at the end of october and we're doing research on you know what stroller to get <laughs> yeah. um and you know we've spent way too much time just you know diving through you know kind of best practices, or top ten you know strollers and looking at reviews and looking at you know expert guides and stuff like that. And so that, you know, given that we have obviously would not talk to a salesperson for this, and I think you're seeing that consumer led shift in online research and peer based reviews you now really starting to come you know into focus for for b two b software buying. Um, and so, but yeah, to your point, like the B two B sales process is not necessarily matched up to that new reality yet, and so there's that's where you're getting that friction where you have a very different buyer's journey than you do sales process, and, and the
0: two will obviously have to come together. Absolutely, and well, well, diving in a little into that example, and by congrats, by the way, with <laughs> <Thank you're>, you. <laughs> so um, you you were browsing some strollers strollers online and. Um, but typically, um, what 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 you see happening in the B two B process as well, if you par- take a parallel there, is that what people are are more than capable to find all the basic specs about that stroller, right? So the the, the colors, uh, you know, is it certified? Does it? You know, what do other people think about it? But should you have a question, it's it's very specific, and you do want to talk to a salesperson when it's very specific, or maybe. Well, you probably know more about that stroller than a typical salesperson does in a in a store. So um that's and that's very important to realize within the P2P cycle now. If you're if you're selling, the customer might know more than your salespeople. So you need to have really well educated salespeople that can answer those, let's say, very specific questions. Um, where do customer stories fit in?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think you know, particularly in this environment, at least in tech, like it's slowed down a little bit. It is hard to sell. People aren't just throwing money at, at software anymore. So you can imagine it's like it's this big bunch of penguins on an iceberg, and everyone's just sitting there kind of looking at each other, figuring out who's gonna be the first penguin off the iceberg. People buyers are you know very risk averse now. Yeah, you know, they're not gonna buy something unless they're hundred percent sure that it's going to deliver return on investment for them and I think you know the best way to do that or the easiest way to reduce that risk for a buyer is to see evidence that that vendor has delivered success you know for a very similar type of customer similar meaning same industry same use case same problem solved same region potentially same size you know for example if I'm trying to figure out, what CRM to buy, you know, if it's Salesforce or HubSpot, you know, while seeing a really cool story around how State Farm or Wells Fargo use Salesforce is is impressive, Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't necessarily tell me as a 24 person startup, you know, what's the right CRM for me. So I think, you know, while the emergence of reviews has obviously, you know, been a huge change in how people start their buyers journey, I think there's a level below that that reviews don't necessarily get too often, that is specific information around, you know, how you solve a problem, how you deliver return on investment, you know, across a range of different types of customers in different industries and sizes. So in order to accomplish relevance, you know, you have to have a pretty big library of stories so that when a salesperson is talking to, you know, a healthcare company in Europe, that's using you know product X and they want to see a similar story you could you can serve that up so i think modern vendors that are really good at this that I've seen uh are focused a lot more on finding relevant content and and trying to develop customer stories uh, a lot of them so they can serve up you know exact kind of matches when they talk to to different types of customers
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think wasn't it like Seth Godin, who once had that quote about people that buy from people like them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also in the Gialdini uh, persuasion uh, principles. You know, it's it's um, you need to have relevant logos and relevant stories there. Um, but I think a lot of B2B marketers that are currently listening are are hearing this this but or are thinking this but because it takes a lot of time to put a customer story together to shoot a video to write a a case or whatsoever. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I, I think there's a there's a friction and there's an inca- incompatibility. Like when you think about customer stories, I think the natural inclination for a marketer is to try to go get like the most well-known customer to do a customer story. And that makes sense early, you know, you need to have some impressive logos, of course, to demonstrate, you know, you're selling. But, you know, like you said, that, that takes a really long time. And it's, it's, there's a lot of friction in that, you know, if it's a big company, let's say it's a big bank, like Wells Fargo, you're trying to get a case study from, you gotta go through like rounds and rounds of approval, approvals and, and legal and PR, and then design reviews and interviews, and it might take six months to, to create one case study. Granted, if you get there, yeah, you know, of course it's very impressive to have the Wells Fargo logo. But the cost of that is, you know, say you're selling to 15 different industries. You know, ideally you'd want a customer story in each of those, in the, you know, industries. And if you spend six months on the Wells Fargo story, you know, that sucked up all your time, and now you only have one case study, and you have to use the Wells Fargo case study for you know small tech startups. So, you know. For folks that have done this well, I think you know they're shifting balance or resources from you know only focusing on the the biggest, most impressive logos to doing more widespread kind of story and proof point creation across their customer base. I think the other thing is like you know when you ask a vendor for a reference, like yes, of course they're going to give you a hand pick, handpicked happy reference. So I think what helps build credibility for vendors today is to show overwhelming proof from a range of customers that, that aren't handpicked. And you get a lot more you know, diverse, fair representation uh of what success looks like for your customers rather than this, you know, totally kind of uh englazoned PR story that that is obviously you know very biased in the vendor's favor.
0: Are you also suggesting that um, the typical customer story um is also um more credible than it was like a couple of years ago they they, when you when marketers and especially in b2b were creating a, a customer story or a customer evidence video um they typically had a highly edited like almost Hollywood style kind of video, which was very sleek, slick and, and was very, um, well, high quality is, is in this era where people are used to doing all time, well, basically team calls all the time, they're on Zoom all the time, they, they, they shoot videos on Instagram, on, on LinkedIn. So the personal video is also very, very upcoming. Um, is it also, is that also helping to create Let's say lower entry or easier customer videos, customer story videos?
1: Yeah, I do think that's a, a helpful trend. You know, if you kind of relax the constraint around the format for a traditional customer story, to your point, you know, it used to be every customer story had to be this very high-produced, good-looking thing that again takes a lot of money and effort and time. I think also, you know, th- to have a little bit more authentic kind of rawness and lack of production actually helps with the credibility, right? Yeah. Going back to our stroller example, you know, you can kind of like the five-star reviews are of course great to see, but some of the most interesting, like impactful, useful, informative content are the three and four-star reviews where a lot of it's good, but there's a couple things that could be improved. And, and to me, those, those people that give those three or four star reviews are you know a lot more credible and, and and impactful for my evaluation process. So I think avoiding the temptation to want to make sure that everything is super positive and right on brand and right story in favor of showing a little bit more honest, authentic view of the kind of average normal customer mm-hmm. um, is a good strategy. I, I think you know we're all starting to kind of have an antenna up for kind of fakeness and for for polish and we crave you know more raw authentic stories um and so I think vendors that that lean into that you know more human potentially imperfect story are, are going to find more success
0: absolutely absolutely and that's what I think and and the trend there helps and um let's say B two B B two B listeners that are currently facing a a very challenging job, um, given the fact that that it's it's hard to sell in in SaaS at the moment, for example, and yeah. um, it's they have limited budgets on, uh, for for creating those uh, customer stories. Where, where do they start? So because you you were telling at the beginning of the interview, you were saying, well, you need to have multiple ones. They need to fit the exact well, demand or the exact customer need, etc. They need to recognize themselves in this video. This means they need to have a couple of videos. How does a, as a B2B marketer start? What's their beginning point?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think about the asset that they have, which is probably... Very under leveraged. At least if it's a software company, it's this very large user and customer base of potentially hundreds or even thousands of users that have bought the product and you know hopefully have received some degree of, of value and are happy. Um, but if you think about it, you know a marketing team typically only tells stories from two percent of that, right? So if you have a thousand customers, maybe you have six or seven case studies on your website, and the rest of them. Just have these stories that never make it out to the public, and they're just kind of buried there. So, I think you have to think about what's a what's a scalable way to enable hundreds or thousands of customers to to share their stories. And oftentimes, it's the answer is not what they're doing currently, which is kind of going one by one and asking, you know, can you do a case study? Can you do a case study? Which obviously doesn't scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, leveraging things like templates. Um, Leveraging one-to-many automation, so surveys can be you know great here, uh, encouraging folks to leave reviews on review sites, um, and again relaxing relaxing the constraints around the format of the story. It, it could, could be video, but it could just be an anonymous testimonial. So you can skip all the legal and PR approval if it's a bigger company, or it could just be you know a short kind of mini case study, uh, or it could be a review. So if you have a menu of options. For customers to contribute their stories and share their stories, yeah, you know, that range and friction and, and kind of depth from highly produced case studies down to short, you know, super short anonymous survey feedback, uh, then it's a lot more likely you're going to have, you know, hundreds of proof points rather than just six. So, um, yeah, I, I think thinking about ways to engage the broader customer base you know, instead of just this handful of advocates that you kind of go back to every time you need a story.
0: Well, so we're almost at the end of the interview. And, and there's one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, given the fact that you have so much experience in in creating and, and supporting those those customer stories is um, what, what kind of effects are you seeing? Is there anything you have measured in, in success or how it has contributed to the Buying experience, or maybe it it um, made the buying cycle faster or whatsoever. Is there any kind of su- success that you can share from companies yeah. that are using them?
1: Absolutely. So a good example that a lot of marketers and salespeople would understand. So one of our customers is, is Gong, which is like the, the call recording software. Mm-hmm. Um, and their biggest competitor, you know, is Chorus, which is you know owned by Zoom Info. And one thing that they're doing with our product user evidence is using user evidence to get a ton of evidence from sales leaders that have switched from chorus to gong, uh, that talk about why they switched and why it's better. Um, and so they've created collections of content that are all around, you know, that might be 45 examples or stories from sales leaders that switch from from chorus to gong. And as you can imagine, you know, that, that gets used heavily in gong sales process. So AEs, when they encounter a situation that's, you know, why should we choose you versus Chorus? They can now have laser-targeted proof points to say, all right, Mr. Prospect, here's a dozen examples from people in your industry that actually switched from Chorus, and and here's why they like Gong better. Um, And as you can imagine, like that has measurably improved these AEs close rates in competitive scenarios. So had they not had that, you know, they would have to just show feature comparisons and things like that. but you know having an army of customers to answer that question on you know why they chose gong over the competitor um, really enhances credibility in a competitive sense and improves win rates. but you know, that happens of course all across the funnel but um, you know, one of the most important use cases for our customers is, is ultimately kind of late stage sales and getting customers across the line uh, and that's how we're delivering
0: ROI. Oh, I love that example. So that makes it very tangible. Evan, with that, I would like to end the interview and like to thank you very much for being on the Marketing Technology Podcast. I'm, I'm going to add a link to your LinkedIn profile as well as a link to user evidence website. So people will know where to find you. They can reach out to you should you have any questions. And um, well, I, I, again, I would like to thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.